Hey there, and welcome back to the CUSE Conversations podcast. We are the only podcast produced by Syracuse University alumni for Syracuse University alumni. My name is John Boccasino. I'm a class of 2003 graduate of the SI Newhouse School of Public Communication studying broadcast journalism. I also work as the communications specialist in the Office of Alumni Engagement. We are so pleased you found us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. There's 15 platforms that are currently housing this podcast right now. You can also go to alumni.syr.edu slash Conversations and anchor.fm slash Conversations. As you've come to expect on this podcast, we are telling the stories of Syracuse University alumni who are making a difference in their communities and who bleed orange. And we love telling those stories here on the podcast. We are pleased to have Jeff Kripchin joining us here on the Cuse Conversations podcast. Jeff, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, John, really appreciate you having me on. Uh, fan of the podcast. I know you had uh, my buddy Kevin Belby on for your last one. And uh, what, what a great talent he is and a, and a proud Cuse alum. Definitely cool to see the work that Kevin is doing out there. And uh, obviously, you know, you, you've got a great story to tell yourself. You've done a great job creating a radio career for yourself. Uh, you know, you're someone who obviously is passionate about Syracuse. And uh, I want to start with uh, with that, Jeff. What was it about Syracuse that made you come to in the first place? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of us are attracted to Syracuse for the program that Newhouse provides. The broadcast journalism program is is second to none. I mean, seriously, it, it, it was so attractive. The new the Newhouse program is spectacular. And to see the alumni that have come out and had successful radio, television, and journalism careers, I, I just wanted to be a part of that that list and i've been blessed each and every day to be able to call myself a proud syracuse alumni and and have a long list of alumni friends who have helped me throughout my career helped me get that first job right out of college and and have helped me every step of the way to lead me to uh, hosting a, a radio morning show here in Las Vegas now. It's not for everybody, Jeff, the world of, uh, of morning talk radio, waking up early, talking about the, the issues that are affecting people that are going to get some interest from your radio station listeners. Uh, I know that when we, we did a profile on you uh, last year and uh, the word zaniness was kind of used to describe both your personality and, and morning radio. What is it about your personality, Jeff, that makes this such a great fit for your career? Well, I think that, you know, the term radio DJ has kind of fallen, you know, away in recent years because we are on-air personalities and you have to live your life on the air. So I think, you know, one thing that I pride myself on is being very curious and my curiosity has allowed me to be successful in this industry because I can ask the right questions. I try to explore different avenues. Local radio is is strong and you know there's podcasting there's there's all of these national radio syndicated radio but i think local radio still holds a very close place to a lot of people and the curiosity that i have in my personality has led me to be able to explore a new city i started in cleveland for three years and now i've lived in vegas for a year and a half doing local radio and you know the uh, when it comes to personality i think just being positive i know that sounds crazy but you know i always say that if you wake up in the morning and you think it's going to be a bad day, it's probably going to be a bad day. But if you come into with the mindset that you're going to have a great day, yeah, maybe some bumps along the road, but for the most part, that positive outlook outlook is going to drive you through your day. And 
I think being a morning radio host, you've got to have that positivity, especially if you're working on a team. Because if I came in every day, if I came into this podcast, John, and said, all right, John, okay, all right, let's, okay, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about whatever you want. Just ask the question. Do you think we're going to have any fun? No, absolutely not. It's going to be a terrible <laughs> podcast. And so if you walk into a morning show like that, you're not going to have a very successful show and no one's going to enjoy listening to it. And so the positivity that my partner, Amy, and I put together every day on Jeff and Amy in the morning on the Coyote, I think that is what stands us apart from, you know, somebody who's like, well, how do you get into the industry? I say it's all about having a positive outlook. Not everybody, Jeff, is able to develop that curiosity where, you know, you care enough about what the subject's are talking about their stories, their, you know, the issues that you're going to go over on, on the talk show, on the talk radio program that morning. How did you develop that sense of curiosity where you genuinely care? Because you can fake being curious, but that comes off as being disingenuous and doesn't play too well in the radio. Whereas people listen to you, they can tell that it's authentic and it's real. Well, I think it starts with one thing, John, and that's being real. I mean, you know, don't be afraid to show yourself. And I'm proud to say that, you know, the quote unquote character of Jeff, I am on Jeff and Amy in the morning is really just me with a little bit more energy, I would say. Um, that curiosity, I think, simply comes from being a student of the world. Uh, the only way we can learn is by learning from people who are interested in different things than us. I always say you never learn from anybody you agree with. You can only learn from those who have an altering, alternative, different opinion from you. And, you know, not to get into the bigger landscape of politics, but I think we all need to listen to each other a little bit more and be curious as to why somebody feels a certain way. And, you know, just the other day, we had a guy call into the show who believed his apartment was haunted. And I was, you know, I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to ghosts floating around. But I gave him due diligence and I listened and I learned and I asked the right questions because I was curious enough to let him change my mind. And I think that that's a big thing is you always want to walk into a conversation saying, let this person change my mind or let this person teach me something. And that way I can become a better broadcaster. I can become a better student of the world and just a better human being. The more knowledge you take in, the more well-rounded you're going to become. I couldn't agree more with you, Jeff. The fact that you need to have an open mind, you need to be open to discussion and dialogue. If you're willing and open to new experiences and new ideas, it's going to benefit you. There'll be a way that you can improve yourself. And if we're not trying to get better day by day, what's the point of doing this thing called life? A hundred percent, John. I totally agree. And listen, as soon as you, in, in this industry, and I learned this at Newhouse, as soon as you stop learning, you become irrelevant in this industry. So don't tell yourself that you're done growing and learning as a broadcaster. And I'm sure that works in, in many other industries, quite frankly. I don't know if I wasn't doing a radio show, I don't know if I'm qualified to do anything else. <laughs> but, you know, I think as soon as you stop learning or allowing yourself to learn, it, that's the minute you become irrelevant. What, Jeff, are some of the other value? And that's a great lesson, again, to stay curious, to stay hungry, um, and stay motivated. What are some other lessons that you picked up from your time at Syracuse? What lessons did your Newhouse professors really impart upon you that has played uh, played well in your career as a broadcaster? Uh, tell it straight. I think that's the number one thing I've learned. Be able to speak to your superiors, your bosses, people you're in charge of or people you work alongside. Tell them like it is. Don't sit around and, and dilly dally around what you want them to do or what you need them to do. Just get to it straight. 
if something's not sounding right, have respect enough for yourself, for the product you are all trying to put out as a team in order to say, hey, Amy, I, I don't think that sounded very good. I don't think we should try that again. Or she says it to me, Jeff, I think we could do that better next time. And, and that just speaks volumes to improving because everybody has the same goal. They want to win, you know, especially in our industry, which is driven by ratings and numbers. If you keep quiet, you're not going to win. You're not going to get better. And so tell it straight. And, and that's the way Newhouse professors taught me. You know, we, we were in our BDJ classes, BDJ 205. And if your assignment came in after 1159.59, saved to the folder, it's an F. It's not running in the broadcast, so it's an F. It's a zero. And tell it like it is. My professors, we had to do peer evaluations. So you would do a package, right, for NCC News, and then our peer would watch it the night before, take notes, and then watch it with the whole class, and the peer would evaluate you. And I hated it. Oh, did I hate it. I was so embarrassed, and I would always have – I would watch a package, and I'd be like, man, I messed that up, that up, that up, that up. And my peers would only list a couple things. But then I started to realize I wanted to hear it all. I needed to hear it all. Yeah, I know that was a shaky shot. Yeah, I know the audio wasn't clean there. But you need to hear it. And you need to be straight with the people that you work alongside. And, and the people who were straight, who were all like, wow, that was a tough peer evaluation. They're the ones being producers and anchors at the top of their game at age 26. I'm the class of 2015. I just turned 26 years old. And I have some friends who are enjoying a lot of success in this industry. And those were the ones who weren't afraid for peer valuations because they could give it and they could receive it. They could dish it and receive it. So don't be afraid to say something for the good of the product you guys are trying to put out. And it seems like Jeff kind of expanding upon that too, being open to criticism, but also being willing to do whatever it takes to tell the story, to get compelling interviews out there, that work ethic and that hustle. I know that you've prided yourself on having a good work ethic, on being someone who pushes yourself really hard to be the best that you can be. And I know you give Newhouse and Syracuse a lot of credit for that work ethic. Can you go into a little more detail about how Syracuse helped you cultivate and hone that desire to just be the best that you can be? Well, I think there's a natural competitive nature when you're a Newhouse student. Um, you know, when you hear, oh, you got that big interview in New York. Oh, congratulations. Good luck. You're kind of secretly saying, and I think any new house person would say this. I'm very supportive of my um, alumni friends and while we were students together, but you're secretly a little jealous. I won't lie. You know, you're like, damn, I wanted that internship. Damn, I wanted that interview. Or, hey, I think I'm better than them. I think I should have gotten, you know, but I think it only cultivates a stronger environment. It's not a dangerously competitive place. It's a naturally competitive place. And I think that that only rises us all up. What do they always say? I use sports metaphors way more than I should. But you never get better playing a guy who's worse than you on the court. you got to play a team that's better than you in order to get better. And I think the Newhouse idea and, and, and competitiveness is kind of what drives it. And, and Syracuse University in general, John, I, I speak a lot about Newhouse because that's my experience, but I think there are so many opportunities to diversify what you do. You know, we talked about earlier being a student of the world and, and learning and doing more things. I'm proud to say that I started an acapella group, the Autotunes, on campus my freshman year. That has nothing to do with what I'm doing now as a radio host. Granted, I am in music radio, so I guess that kind of relates. But running an acapella group and running a radio show are very different things, yet that 
taught me a lot about being a leader. It taught me a lot about working as a team. And then, you know, being a part of WJBC's Z89 Radio, not directly linked to Newhouse, those opportunities that Syracuse gives you to diversify yourself as a student, they're fantastic. And, and I also spent four amazing years on the mascot team. And, and that was one thing that, Lord knows, I had no idea I would be a part of at any time. And the lessons I learned from that, the ability to be not human, to put yourself out of a situation and be able to not be the center of attention. And being out of the orange, when I first you know, auditioned or tried out and became a part of the team, I was like, this is so cool. I'm out of the orange. But it quickly became, oh my gosh, I represent something so much bigger than myself that this isn't about me. It really brings humility and allows yourself to get your ego in check because it's not about you. It's about the university. It's about the students. It's about the alumni. It's about the faculty. It's about the kids who want to be, you know, want to be orange one day. And, and so you're so much bigger than yourself. And I think Syracuse allows so many opportunities to get involved in other things on campus that make you a well-rounded, educated student ready for the work life because you're not just focused on computer engineering. You're not just focused on radio show. You're not just focused on, on you know, politics. You have a broader education that Syracuse allows you to get in your four years or more or less. We recently had the news, Jeff, and I think you could expand well beyond the ACC, but Sports Illustrated said that Otto was the best mascot in the conference. I think we all vote the best mascot in the country. Because what Otto does is, you know, you've got this family-friendly kid mascot who the kids love going up to him and squeezing Otto, getting high fives. But you get alumni who are in their 80s and 90s at see Otto and their eyes light up like they're a child again. That's the magic of that mascot. And Jeff, to be one of those guys who got to play the role of Otto, I know you're sworn to secrecy until the final home game of your senior year, but that clearly was a special uh, moment, special experience for you. What was it like the very first time and what was the setting that the first time you ever performed as Otto before a sporting event? Oh, it was uh, the most nerve wracking thing I've ever been a part of. Um, It was a home basketball game. It was uh, preseason, so it wasn't like a big crowd or anything like that. But boy, you know, you want to walk through (laughs) the dome with any Syracuse fans there and you're out of the orange, all eyes are on you. But John, I'll tell you my my favorite memory, the best experience I ever had was the first ever ACC tournament that Syracuse ever participated in. And I'm going to get the year wrong, but I'm going to say it was 2014. That sounds right. And I went down to Greensboro and we're in enemy territory. Think about the schools, the ACC schools that are down there. We're new. Nobody cares about us. Are you kidding me? So we're doing all these appearances. All of the ACC mascots are doing these. So you've got the Tar Heels. You've got Wake Forest, you've got Duke, you've got all these schools they obsess over in North Carolina in that region, and then they've got me, and they have no idea who Otto is. They don't care either. We go to a children's hospital, John, and I might choke up a little bit telling this story, but you know, every, all of the kids there are, are very sick, and we get to do this as you know, cheering them up as we're all in town for the ACC tournament, and all the kids, oh my gosh, it's the Tar Heel, it's the Blue Devil, everybody's excited, and I'm just kind of hanging out with the kids, but they don't really know who I am or what I am. And as we're getting ready to leave, uh, they say, Otto, we need you to stay. We have one more patient coming down who's a huge Syracuse fan in North Carolina. Really? I say, of course. So I 
stuff a couple t-shirts inside of auto and, and get ready to meet this kid. And I, this kid comes up and he's in a wheelchair and he immediately lights up, as you said earlier, lighting up. And he gets out of his wheelchair to hang out with Otto. And I pull a little basketball out, some T-shirts for him. And we're throwing the basketball back and forth. He's laughing. He's all hooked up to machines, but he's on his feet. He's hanging out. And when I got one moment away, his dad came up and whispered to Otto and said, yeah, this is the first time we've seen him smile in, in weeks. And the oh power gosh. of of Syracuse University and the power of what Otto the Orange represents is so amazing and so powerful. And when Otto had to leave because he had a game to go to, he said, well, Otto, can't you watch the game with me? And I burst into tears. I mean, immediate tears. And he read out the whole starting lineup for the team that year. And, you know, I kindly expressed in the ACC, um, Helpers said, well, Otto has to go to the game, but he's going to wave at the camera for you, and he's going to say hi. And all he wanted to do was watch that game with Otto. And, you know, that story breaks my heart. But then, once again, it, it reminds me the power of our of our school, of, of Syracuse University, and the, the amount of influence we have over such young and such old people. I mean, so many people fall in love with this school for a reason. And, and John, you and I know why. And Ah, maybe it's the sports, maybe it's the school, maybe it's Otto the Orange, but God knows it's got quite an influence. And I'll never forget that story for the rest of my life. I know the word awesome gets tossed around quite a bit, Jeff, when it comes to describing, you know, anecdotes and stories. But that story right there really was awesome because it, it does. It gets to the heart of everything that we value about being an alum and the impact of the just the benefit that you can have on someone's life being that mascot and this kid is just, I mean, that, that warms my heart hearing a story like that. That's such a, a cool anecdote. And I know that you um, obviously, you know, had a nice four year career as Otto um, and you, you can never tell any of your classmates, your friends, your girlfriends, your family, whatever that you're Otto. How hard was it to keep up that veil of secrecy of, you know, well, where's Jeff going tonight? And you couldn't say, Hey, I'm going to practice at, you know, Manly getting ready for, uh, for the big game. I, you, you can't reveal that. How tough was that? Oh, it was like almost impossible. I'll be honest. It was really difficult. And a lot of friends to this day res respected what I was doing, but never said they thought they knew because they knew the value of, of how important it was for me to keep it secret, that they didn't want to put the pressure on me and, and put me in a situation. But it upholds the magic. You know, we all want to believe, and we all do believe that auto is auto. You know, people always came up to me after I after I was at Chuck's the night of the senior game after I got outed and people were coming up. Oh, my gosh, Jeff, I had no idea. Were you this in this picture? I said, no, I don't know. That's auto. That's what it matters. And I take stories like the one from the Children's Hospital to tell, to talk about my experience, simply not to say, oh, look what I did, but to say, look what Otto did. You know, look, look at his influence. And so it was tough to keep it a secret, I won't lie, but we have some really, really good helpers in athletics and through our team to kind of come up with ideas and be able to, uh, people who have done it in the past, our alumni, we have a, we have a auto orange tree. It's like an auto family tree. And we've all done a really good job of staying in touch. I, I got to give a shout out to Julie Wallace, who is unbelievable with the work she does in the, not only in the iSchool, but with Auto the Orange and our team. She's a former mascot and she has held this team together and brought us closer than ever before, including alumni as well. And 
yeah, it was tough, but I'm telling you right now, it was it was a great experience, and somehow it shaped me for what I'm doing today. And of course, uh, all those autos now that they've been revealed, there's an opportunity to. Uh, you know, you talk about reconnecting and reuniting. Well, during Orange Central, our homecoming and reunion weekend, September 12th to the 15th, there's also an auto reunion that's only for former autos. So you can, you know, imagine all the autos just reminiscing about their days. As our beloved mascot, we thank you, of course, for your service, Jeff, as, uh, as being an auto. But there's so much more to your career, obviously, than just being an auto, too. You know, you talked about the Children's Hospital, and you did such great work with five of your buddies you guys originally dubbed the Mount Men. You guys formed Auto Tunes, and you teased this earlier on during the podcast. But I thought that was so cool, Jeff, the way you guys came together, an all male a cappella group. And you guys have raised money for testicular cancer research. Where did that come from? Why did you guys want to get together and make this group, the Auto Tunes, become a reality? Well, I think it all starts with a bunch of uh, idiot guys their freshman year who had no idea what else they could do, but they knew they loved to sing. Syracuse does an awesome job of, of showing you all of the available groups and all of the uh, available opportunities on campus. And this is not a dig at all, but sometimes it's overwhelming because there's so many, you know, there's so many different clubs you could be a part of that it's a lot. And so me and a couple of friends, uh, they were actually singing in the basement of the Mount in between Day and uh, Flint Hall, for those that might know, uh, right by the underground dining hall um, entrance they would know what I'm talking about with that little piano room and we kind of all just started singing we learned that we all love to sing or had done it at some point and it kind of just all snowballed from there no pun intended being Syracuse University and we started as a as a um, quartet but then when we got a fifth and sixth member you realize quartet means four so we can't really be a barbershop quartet with six people so we then kind of moved towards being an acapella group. The name was uh, created by my friend Ambrose, who was the first ever president of the group. And, um, you know, shortly thereafter, we, we were off and running as an official RSO at Syracuse. And, um, oh, my gosh, I mean, I, it all came from there. I was I was proud to be president for the first two full years of the group's existence. And, you know, we've 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 done great great things for the community in Syracuse. We've sang at 5Ks for, uh, you know, different causes in town. We've had a chance to sing at Radio City Music Hall twice to open up for the Rockettes, once in my time and once recently with our uh, current students. And we've raised a lot of money for the Testicular Cancer Foundation. And I think that's what we're most proud of is, is the influence we've made. Yeah, the fun we've had, John, trust me, is all worth it and a great experience. But I really think it's the influence we've made. We've made we had a chance to make two different albums. We've had an opportunity to perform in the ICCA competition, the one that you hear in Pitch Perfect. It's a real thing, and we were in it, and um, it was a lot of fun, and um, it's a blessing. And now that is kind of how, I guess, me and my friends left our mark on the campus because Autotunes is still going strong, and it's really neat to uh, go back and meet some of the current students, and they see a 26-year-old where quite frankly, John, if I shave my beard, I look like a 16 year old. Um, <laughs> and they say, wow, this guy's young. And it, it's so recent that he and his friends helped start this group that it feels so young to them. And I like that. And not that there's anything wrong with, you know, tradition on campus. You know, there are groups that have been around a long, long time, but it's cool to see that now people don't even think of us as the new guys on campus. They just think of us, oh, that's auto tune. 
and that's really neat. Another group, Jeff, that you were a part of that I know played a huge role in your career at Syracuse and your career as a broadcaster is WJPZ. You're on the Z Morning Zoo. You were a Z89er. You come back to campus for the reunion, the, the great weekend every year that they organize with Marty Dundix and Dave Peterman. There's so many great people that bring together the Z89 alumni who you know love sharing their stories and telling where they're at with their careers. And it's so cool that that club, that group has really extended to a lifelong friendship. How much of your success broadcasting-wise do you give credit to for your time at Z89? I would say, oh, gosh, 90%. I mean, you know, they taught me, Z89 taught me the ins and outs of being an on-air personality. You know, being able to run a board and sit in front of a microphone and tell a story and, and be able to be yourself on the air. You know, the Z Morning Zoo is a tradition now, and I was proud to be a big part of it for two whole years and in charge of it for two years and bringing in young people that now are doing their own podcasts or doing radio themselves. And they credit so much of their personality to Z89, whether they're doing, you know, morning radio like I am, or whether they're a producer in New York or, or whether they're doing sports updates or whatever it might be, they credit so much of their love for radio from the Z morning zoo, because it's such a good time. Now, on top of being a part of WJPZ, it means you're a part of the Alumni Association. And as soon as I needed help, I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do for a career. I, I, is radio an actual thing? Do people actually get paid to do what I do? And so I called some people that actually get paid to do what I now do. And I called Ralphie Aversa, Ryan Sampson, you know, Ralphie, uh, formerly of WPLJ in New York, you know, of Ralphie. I mean, that was the show. And Ryan Sampson of of Sirius XM, of course, and, and he's got the morning mashup. And these are big, heavy hitters who are all JPC alums. And to be able to pick up a phone and call them and say, hey, I'm, I'm Jeff Kirchner, I'm a, I'm a JPC alum. Boom. What can I do for you? How can I help you? I said, can I send you my tape? Yes, yeah, sure. Go ahead. They send me real criticism back. And right back to what we said earlier, John, about just telling it like it is. They tell me, hey, Ralphie once told me, yeah, that doesn't sound very good. You're going to have to start over. Move that clip there. I'm like, oh, cool. I'd rather be told it doesn't sound good because he said this isn't the best representation of what you can bring to a future employer. And so that alumni association, John, on top of the stuff I learned as a student, has helped me tenfold. I mean, I got my first job because of Z89, because I, my tape was ready to go. And I was a blind tape listen. I applied on Indeed.com. Not an ad, but Indeed.com. And my boss in Cleveland heard it. He was like the only program director who blindly listened to tapes and said, I need to call this guy. And that was because I worked on my tape with Ralphie and Ryan and all of these great guys, Craig Hoffman, and all of these great Z89 alums who know radio, who are able, who listen to tapes for a living. Josh Wolf, you know, he's a program director now in Pennsylvania. Congrats to him. Huge shout out. Um, you know, these people get radio and they listen to tapes for a living and they were able to help me get my first job. And now I do that for other students, not because I feel like I, I owe it to them because you know, the past that owed it to me or, or the, uh, the past alumni had done it for me, but because I want to. We always praise and hype, you know, the orange network and, you know, you see a Syracuse alumni degree, you know, you see a degree from, from Newhouse, you see a degree from VPA, from Maxwell, wherever it might be. It's going to catch your attention as someone who's in charge of hiring. So when you see a resume out there that has, you know, Syracuse and Newhouse, I, you're going to go above and beyond to try to at least give that person a chance, right? Because of the power of that orange network. 
Well, and I also know when it comes to working alongside or or with me or whatever you want to call it, um, I know they come from a similar background that I do in that, you know, though this career path is fun, we're not messing around. I mean, we got work to do. Like, it, it takes a lot every single day. You got to put a lot into a morning show in order to make it go, in order to make it sound, oh, like we're just sitting here chatting on the mic. It, it, that's not the way it is. And so when I see that on a resume, I think to myself, well, this person is job ready and they have a similar education. You know, my roommate in Cleveland was Ben Fontana, class of 2014, and him and I worked together at the same radio station. He was our web director and social media guru. And so when him and I would go out on a shoot, you know, maybe we'd be doing a video for a client. He works the same way I work. You know, if you don't get the shot, and you didn't get the shot. You know, that's what Professor uh, Simon Perez always told me. He said, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. So wait until you get it. And it sounds obvious, but, you know, when you're out filming a video, you, you're kind of in a different world. You know, your, your energy is high. You're trying to get back for deadline. And, you know, we learned the same way, Ben and I. And every time I work with a Syracuse alum, we learned the same way. We tell it like it is. We love what we do. We're passionate. And there's nothing going to stop us from winning. How much, Jeff? And I know we've, we've talked about this before, but you're, for those that don't know, Jeff's dad is Tim Kirkjian, famous broadcaster, famous reporter. He's been on ESPN, a well-respected baseball analyst. People know the name Kirkjian. But, you know, Jeff, no one assumes that you're going to go in there and try to use your dad's name to get a job. You had to earn everything you've gotten on your own. Um, what are some of the lessons you think you learned from having a famous father who had succeeded in this industry? And how did that motivate you to make your own career? Well, John, I, I appreciate your sentiment. And, you know, my dad told me from the very beginning when he could tell I was going to get interested in, in radio broadcasting or television or broadcasting in general. He said, Jeff, I'm going to be honest with you. And I remember I was thinking I was in 10th grade. And he said, Jeff, I'm going to be honest with you. My connections might get you a foot in the door but you've got to walk through yourself. And I always, always repeated that to myself because this business is about connections. And there was a time in my life where I, I don't want to say I was ashamed of who my dad is, but I wanted to earn everything myself and I wanted to prove to everybody I didn't need. But I'm like, don't be stupid, Jeff. The fact that I have a broadcast father means that I've been groomed since day one to do this. I mean, the stories my dad told me as bedtime stories when I was a kid was told by a writer. It was told by a broadcaster. So I learned how to tell stories from age zero. I mean, seriously. So I, in that brief moment where I said, I want to earn this myself quickly said, no, be proud of where you come from and take what you can get, but know that you need to stand on your own merit. And my dad said, they'll slam the door in your face. They don't care who your dad is. If you're not good enough for the job, They'll tell you to go. And that's true. This business is cutthroat. And I've always said, if I want something, I need to get it myself. And using connections from my dad is, is something I'm not afraid to admit I've done before. Yet my first ever job, and this always makes me laugh, and my dad laughed, he howled of laughter. I'm walking through the studios at uh, what was then CBS Radio Cleveland with my first ever boss, Dave Popovich, the man who I owe so much of my career to. And we walk by 92.3 The Fan. Now, I do music radio. So we walk by 92.3 The Fan, and the program director, Andy Ross, pulls me into his office and said, hey, I just want to say I'm a big fan of your dad. And Dave Popovich is sitting there listening to all this and 
kind of gives a puzzled look and Andy and I talk baseball for a minute and then he says all right well uh, thank you so much we'll, we'll we'll talk later and we walk back to Dave's office and Dave goes who's your dad my boss who had called me in for an interview right out of college was about to hire me to be the morning show host on Q104 in Cleveland had no clue who my dad was I'm not saying I'm proud of that like oh look at me dad like didn't need you it's like it just proves it proved to me hey Jeff like you worked hard for this and the reason why you got called for this interview and that only helped me he said that helped him make that decision because he knows I come from a broadcast family so he knows I know how difficult this business can be you gotta have a thick skin and I learned that very quickly in Cleveland I thought I had a thick enough skin and I didn't you learn quickly and you work hard and you get ready for the worst but you you know also prepare for the best. You always got to prep, always got to plan and get ready. And, and my boss, you know, telling me that was kind of a, a cool reminder that you can stand on your own merits, but don't be afraid of the connections you have and don't be afraid to make a call and don't be afraid to, you know, explore other options. And I always keep my dad close to me and he's my biggest fan and I'm his biggest fan. I'm so proud of what he's done in his career. I think he's so talented and he's my hero in this industry and in in and in my life you've now been in las vegas for a year and a half uh working on 1027 the coyote with jeff and amy in the morning and that's an awesome job it's a top 30 radio station but if you look into the crystal ball <laughs> what do you think we might be seeing from jeff over the next decade or so do you have any ambitions any career goals you want to accomplish that uh will continue this challenging career for yourself well uh yeah i'm i <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, my, my parents always told me growing up that if there's something you believe that you can do, you'll be able to do it as long as you believe that you can. And since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to host The Tonight Show. And maybe not the next decade, but in the next 25 years, in the next, you know, I just turned 26. So before I'm 50, I think that that is a, uh, a, a goal for me and it's a lofty one john i'll tell you that much but I, i'm not going to stop believing it because as soon as you stop believing it it, it no longer becomes reality i got to put it into the world i got to put it into the space in order for it to happen and um you know it's lofty goals it's a dream but you know i'm loving las vegas and i absolutely love what i get to do here each and every day and my my teammate amy is the greatest. And I, I've never worked with somebody quite like her. She doesn't come from radio. She doesn't come from Newhouse. She doesn't come from any broadcasting school. Um, she just gets it. She was a, she was in the service industry here in Vegas and kind of fell into radio and now has fallen in love with it. And having that perspective on the show is amazing. And for me, I, I have no plans on going anywhere anytime soon. So ultimately, you know, uh, my, my dreams are big and I'm excited to explore career opportunities in the future. And I'm looking forward to what comes next. And uh, hopefully one day it's uh, NBC's Tonight Show. You never know. I'm, I'm going to hold the dream, John. I'm going to hold the dream. Hey, Jeff, none of us would be surprised whatsoever with your positive outlook, with your hard work and your solid work ethic and determination and drive. If that came true down the road, we could always say we knew you when you were a guest here on the Q's Conversations podcast. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck, Jeff. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show today. John, thank you so much. Big fan of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, everybody. And because uh, it's amazing. And I, I, I love what you guys are doing. This is such a great idea. Well, it means the world to us to hear that, Jeff, because, again, we're doing this as fun as it is 
and you know this, being behind a microphone and telling stories, it's great, but we really want to connect and engage with our alumni wherever they are. And podcasts have just exploded over the last year plus in popularity. So we figured, hey, let's dip our toes in the water. And uh, we have the end result of the Q's Conversations podcast. Again, like Jeff said, please go download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and TuneIn and Stitcher and PodBay and everywhere you go to find your podcast, Spotify, go search Q's Conversations podcast. You can find great stories like what we had here with Jeff Kirkchin on the show today. Want to thank our guest, Jeff Kirkchin, for coming on the podcast. Uh, my name is John Boccasino, signing off for the Q's Conversations podcast.